Open in your Bibles. We're going to be over in the book of Daniel here today. Looking at some things in this topic of drawing out. Drawing, drawing out. If you're up on Facebook at all today, we gave you a, a, a little synopsis of, of some things to come. One of the questions we wanted to, to address here today is, and as you think of the book of Daniel, how can you not think of the book of Daniel without thinking about how the revelation that Daniel received was hindered? How many people think about that when you think about Daniel? Three weeks that revelation was hindered to Daniel. So here's a question we're not going to answer until the end of the service, but we are going to get there to, to help you with this. Can the devil, can the enemy, hinder what God wants to send to you today? Can the enemy do that? Can the enemy hinder you from getting healed? Can the enemy hinder you from receiving revelation? Can the enemy do things to prevent you from receiving what God wants for you? Is there any doubt that God wanted Daniel to have that revelation? No, he sent it immediately. But it took three weeks to get to him. So, and how many people have, have uh, been under the impression that something that God wants for you to have has been hindered? All right, so we're going to take on, take on that, but not till the end. We've got a lot of ground to cover in between. So this is for, for one of those things to, to come. Because the best opinion to have is the one that comes from the Word of God, isn't it? It's, sometimes we've got our own opinion on it, but we've got to have the opinion from the, the Word of God. We looked at the woman at the well a couple of weeks ago, and we saw that she came with a bad attitude. She had an attitude that uh, this is a Jew. I'm not going to receive anything from a, from a Jew. He's not going to receive anything from me. And Jesus went and asked her for water. And, of course, she had the not a real nice answer for all that. And we, we saw how Jesus handled it and how Jesus was able to bring something else out of her than what she was prepared to, to bring herself. But we ask you this question. If people, when they come up to you, constantly or even occasionally get bitter water, how often are, going, are they going to come to you? If you give them bitter water. You know, don't, don't be giving them bitter water. Be Be pleasant. Be nice. It works out a whole lot better. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. We've left many a harvest behind because we have not tried to draw out of people what they have. Jesus got a great harvest from this Samaritan town because He was willing to spend some time to draw out some things from this woman that she was not prepared to give. But He kept asking questions. He kept tapping into the Spirit. And finally, she ran into the town and says, you all got to come back here and hear what this man has to say. And she brought back many people from the town. Last time, we looked at the prodigal son. And in the prodigal son, we saw how the father worked with the older son who had a bitter attitude. Because the younger son came home, he had a bitter attitude. He developed a bitter attitude towards the father. He developed a bitter attitude towards the other son, his brother. And he wouldn't even come inside. And one of his things was, you never gave me. But we saw in the beginning of the story that Jesus told Jesus that the father had given everything. Part of it went to the younger son. The rest of it went to the older son. He had everything in his hands, but yet he says to the father, you never gave me. See, he was living right there with it. It's like being right there at the well, not knowing how to draw it out. He had it right there. Jesus is right there by the well. And we, we talked about that. He's probably thirsty. He came a long way. He was tired. How, how, how can you come a long way and be tired and not also be thirsty? Plus the disciples were going to get food. 
What's one of the things the waitress asks you when, when uh, she comes or he comes to the table? What do you want to drink? And that's what they always come and tell you. What do you want to drink? And um, my family knows how to order for me. You know, we'll, we'll have Diet Coke. And I, I always make sure I, you know, we, have to, we have to grill them. So I ask them if it's a new restaurant. Do you have real, authentic Diet Coke? And if they say, uh, no, we have Pepsi. I said, that's not the right, that's not the right stuff. I almost get offended. I almost get offended at the restaurant for not having real genuine Diet Coke. I don't know what's their problem. It's like, well, I thought this was a nice establishment. Now, if they don't have that, I, will, I do have something else I'll go after. And that's iced tea. And so then my second question to him is this. Do you have real, genuine, brewed iced tea or does it come out of the fountain? And if they say, well, it comes out of the fountain, that means it's a Pepsi product. Because if their fountain is Pepsi, their iced tea is Pepsi. I happen to know for a fact that the iced tea from Pepsi is super sweet. I can't drink it. It's too sweet for me. So I say, no. Uh, but if they say they have their own brew, well, we'll give it a try. We'll give that iced tea a try. Because iced tea is good. I like iced tea. And if they don't, then I will treat the waitress rudely. <laughs> no, we won't do that. I just 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 bring you water. That's fine, and we'll and we'll go that, and we'll never come back to that restaurant again. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you're going to sit down for for food, aren't you going to? Don't you want something to drink with the meal? So some of you have something else that you like to drink that, uh, that you want to have, but you you look for maybe it's just a glass of water that you want with the meal. But generally, we want to have something to drink with the meal. So Jesus is going to have something to drink here pretty soon. When the disciples come back, they're going to bring something to draw down into that water and bring that water up. But here comes this woman ahead of time. And so Jesus says, give me a drink. Why wait? And instead of just getting a drink, he got, he got more. And remember one of the things he said to the woman? If you knew who it was who asked you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him. And he would have given you living water. You see, folks, there's many times that we don't know what to ask God for. And we're not asking. And if we're not asking, we're not receiving. There's still a whole lot more in that story we haven't delved into. And we're going to come back to it some more times and, uh, and pull the rest of it out. But here in, in uh, Daniel, we wanted to take a look at chapter 8 and verse 15. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision... And was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. Now, here's one thing that Christians very often have a problem with. They see a vision and they think whatever I determine about that vision is true. And that is false. There have been people in the body of Christ who have seen a spiritual vision, had a dream, and think that whatever I determine, whatever I see, whatever I understand, is what that dream, what that vision means. And that is false. You do not have the capacity to understand what comes from God outside of your spirit. You don't have the capacity. The Word of God tells us that. It's impossible to understand spiritual things with your mind. It's impossible. You can't do it. You've got to receive it in your spirit. So this is what Daniel did. I saw the vision. But I don't have the capacity to understand it outside of hearing from God. And so he sought the meaning. 
All right, here I see all the parts of this vision, but I don't understand what it means. So he sought after the meaning. He sought after the understanding of the of the vision. So that's what he says here first. Then when I had seen the vision, and I underlined that. Do you see that in your outline? Underline bold. When I had seen the vision and seeking the meaning. Just because somebody saw a vision doesn't mean that the meaning they got from it is right. Have you ever read one of those books, Somebody Went to Heaven? I have not. You could tell me any book of someone who went to heaven, and I will tell you right now, I have not read it. You may say, well, why not? I don't have an interest in it. I really don't. I have no interest in reading about people going to heaven. If I did, I'd get too excited about going, and I'll just leave. You know, I just don't want to do it. I'm already excited enough. <laughs> so I, I haven't read any of the books. I'm not saying that they're no good. That I'm not saying that at all. If you read them and you get blessed, that's great. I don't. Don't come up to me and say, well, you ought to read this one. I won't. You can give it to me. You can tell me how good it is. I won't read it. I will tell you that right now. Anyway, that's just a side thing. If you like them and you enjoy them, glory to God. Glory to God. I just know I'll get too excited. That's why I don't study it. I don't study heaven out in the Bible. I know enough about it and I'm excited enough about it now. It's all I can do to keep my feet here on the earth. Because I'm ready. We need to stay down here on the earth till we're finished. Like Paul said, I finished the race. You need to be able to say that. I don't think I can say that yet. But see, he was seeking the meeting. See, some people, they, they write these books, they saw heaven, and they think whatever they determined once they saw it is true. Well, that's not necessarily right. There's some people that saw heaven, came out with some things that are against what the Word of God said. Well, that cannot be the right meaning. Because if you were in heaven and you saw heaven, the he- heaven agrees with His Word. But he had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning. Seeing without seeking is not going to bring understanding. All you will know is what is on the surface, not under it. See the purpose of this series? Let's get under the surface. Let's find out what is under there. Let's draw down in there and and get it. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Eli who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Make this man understand the vision. Now, Daniel has a lot of encounters with with Gabriel. He's the guy who's always bringing the, the, the messages in. And um, he's doing more than that because before this he was involved in a fight. And he's going to go back to a, the fight, uh, well, not in this particular chapter, but a few chapters down. He's going to be involved in a fight and go back to it. But here he just uh, he brings the vision. Make this man understand the vision. So Daniel needed some help to understand this vision and he received it. Verse 17, so he came near where I stood and when he came I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now he was speaking with me. I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. And he said, look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For at the appointed time, the end shall be. So he was he was awed by this experience. Can you imagine that if an angel came and a voice seemingly out of nowhere says, Make this man understand the vision. And you're there and here's Gabriel ministering to you. How many of you could understand the awe that Daniel would be under? And you might fall flat on your face too and be kind of zoned out. But the the angel says, no, 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 you're not staying like that. Get up. Get up here. You need to, 
You need to pay attention to this. You need to be working with me here. Don't just, don't just zone out in the spirit. Hone in here. So you understand this, folks. This is just kind of a side meeting. You can get in the spirit and zone out and not receive anything. But look real spiritual. Or you can get in the spirit and zone in and hear. Daniel zoned out and we can't blame him for doing that. But the angel said, no, no, you can't be in that state. Now get up. Come on. Listen. Here. I'm here to make you understand. I can't do that with you in this, this deep sleep state. Get up. Let's go. In other words, the state that he fell into was not where God wanted him. Isn't that amazing? You could be in the presence of an angel and not be in the state that God wants you to be in. Look at uh, chapter 9, verse 1. We're not going over all the visions. We do that in our end times class. We're going over some of the things to help us understand how to get these things out. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was make, made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, stood by the books, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, when you look at this, you think, oh, man, Daniel is studying. All of a sudden, his eyes are opened up and he sees something that was not there to be seen. That no one had seen before. That no one had walked in and understood before. Oh, what is going on here? He said, I understood by the books. It means he was studying the books of the, of the, of the Bible. In specifically, the book of Jeremiah. Now, in case you're not familiar with this passage of Jeremiah, I gave you the reference, and I'm going to read it here for you. It's Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. Hmm. So he's studying and he's looking this over and he's determining. Now, now look at this. Go back to verse 1 again. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Is Darius the Mede a Chaldean? Is he of the Chaldean Empire? No, if you had spent time with the book of Daniel, you would find out that the Chaldeans Empire came. It was the first one of Daniel's. Two before that, but it was the first one of Daniel's. And after his came the Medes and the Persians. So if we are into the reign of Darius the Mede, what does that mean about the Babylonian kingdom? During this time. It's fallen. Now look at the verse of Scripture here again. And this whole land shall be a desolate and astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon, we're in the year of Darius, the Mede shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation in the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. 
So I go back to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus. What's happened to the Chaldean Empire? It's gone by the wayside. The Medes are now up. So when Daniel is reading this, he is seeing that this scripture is fulfilled. That the 70 years has completed. Babylon has been judged. Let me read this scripture again for you. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. Does that not mean that Daniel was not exactly aware of this scripture when Babylon fell? That Daniel was not counting the years 70 years, oh, Babylon is going to fall now. But he was reading in the Word and came upon this. Is this scripture hard to understand? Is it cryptic in any way? 70 years after that, Babylon's going to be judged. And he's reading that and he's saying, wait a minute, Babylon's already judged. We've already been here 70 years. So he understood by the books, but it was very plainly written in there, wasn't it? So even though he has been over this scripture before, he went over it again. Never be afraid to keep going over the word of God. Because even though you have read it before, they're going to find some stuff. Oh, I didn't see that in there before. And it happened here with Daniel. Verse uh, 20, Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. We're going to jump down here. Again, we're not going over the vision. Now, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin... Because all the rest of those verses are him. Once he saw this, he confessed his sin, confessed his sin in the nation, and prayed before God. Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my, of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice. Now I did some looking up about the evening sacrifice, find out what time it was. You know what I found out? Very specific time. Twilight. <laughs> no, no time of day. Twilight. That's what I saw. That's the best they can apparently come up with. It's somewhere around twilight. So whatever you consider twilight, you know, as the sun's going down before the sun is set. Twilight. That's when the evening sacrifice would, would go out. So sometime around there is when this, this happened. He says, uh, and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. To give you skill. If the angel is showing up to give him something, does that not mean he didn't have it? He's, I've get, come to give you skill to understand the vision. Oh, Daniel, I've now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. So in the beginning, when he made his what? Supplication. He asked God something. Now, if you are Daniel and you love your nation and you found out all of a sudden it dawned on you, 70 years are determined for your people. And at the end of it, Babylon's going to be judged. A question that you might come up with that he probably asked God is this. 
what happens to our people now. The 70 years is fulfilled. What is next for our... Because Jeremiah's prophecy didn't go into that. It just said, 70 years are determined for your people. So, what happens now? And as soon as he asked that, the answer is dispatched. And Gabriel is sent to give him skill to understand. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Now, that word weeks there is not in the Bible. It does not say 70 weeks. Nowhere in the Bible does it say 70 weeks. It says literally this, 70 sevens. We paraphrase that as being 70 periods of seven. We know from the rest of the Word of God that it is seven-year periods. So it is 70 times seven on the years, or 490 years. But how it is spelled out here, it's, you didn't say 70 weeks, and we have determined the weeks represent years. That's not what's in the Bible. That's what has been taught about it, but that's not what's in the Bible. It is 70 sevens. So he has divided up the 490 years into seven-year periods. And then he's going to break this down further. We're not going to get into this. He's going to break it down further into 62, 7, and 1. 62, 7, and 1. 62 periods of 7, 7 periods of 7, and then the final one, which we all know as the last week of Daniel, or the last seven years, or the seven-year tribulation period. That's the final one. So 77s are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision of prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. I'm not going to break down all what that is. We won't have enough time here. We've done it as we've gone through end times classes and, and things like that. But basically, those 70 periods of seven are going to accomplish all these things, many of which are accomplished in the Messiah Jesus Christ. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and or seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. So seven and then sixty-two sevens. The street shall be built again and the wall, even the trouble even in troublesome times. So this is the things that are are prophesied to come about. Seventy weeks or periods of seven. He says, know therefore and understand. Just because you know something doesn't mean you understand it. There's a whole lot of things, folks, we can say, I know that, but I don't understand it. He says, know and understand. Don't just be satisfied with knowing. Get out there, I'm going to know and I'm going to understand. If I know something in the Word of God, I can see this is true in the Word of God. I got to go under the surface and get out the meaning of the thing. Here in uh, chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In what year of Cyrus? The third year of Cyrus. Now, this might not just jump to your mind here right now, but when did Daniel retire? When does Daniel retire from government service? It won't jump out at you, will you? This is one of those things that you put in your refrigerator and hang on the, on the wall. 
But back over in, in um, Daniel chapter 1, verse 22. Daniel chapter 1, verse 22. It says that he continued until the first year of Cyrus. So he continued in the capacity of serving the king from those years all the way up until the, the first year of Cyrus. The first year of Cyrus. What year are we in? The third year of Cyrus. So Daniel is basically retired two years. He's in his second year of retirement. Hanging out with the grandkids. Going on some vacations maybe. I don't know what he's doing. But he's retired. He's not in service to the king apparently anymore. Now what else happened in the first year of Cyrus? Something else happened. And in case you're wondering, Daniel right now is about 85 years old. In 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 22, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord might, by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you for all his people. May the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. So in the first year of Cyrus, he issues a decree to rebuild the temple and to send some of the people back on home to do it. If you're Daniel and you love the Lord this much, as much, and we know he loves the Lord, I mean, he loves the word of God, why doesn't Daniel go back? Why is Daniel not in the group who heads back with Israel? He retires in the first year of Cyrus, before or after the decree, I don't know. But he seems that, that he's done, because by his own words, he continued until the first year of Cyrus. It's the third year of Cyrus. It's two years beyond that. And he didn't go back with the group. Why didn't he go back with the group? It may be at 85, he said, uh, you know what, guys? I'm staying right here. That's a long journey. There's a lot of work to be done over there. I'm not going to be able to help you out with it. I'm going to stay right here. Maybe he just... I don't know what it, we don't know why he he didn't go, but for some reason he didn't go. He's still back there. That's that's what he does. Pick this up here in verse two. In those days, I Daniel was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the twenty fourth day of the first month. As I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of upaz. His, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like uh, burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. How many of you? That will get your attention. Whew. And I, Daniel... Alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell on them, so that they fled to hide themselves. That's interesting. What are you afraid of? I have no idea. But man, I am I'm scared. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of the of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. We heard that before, didn't we? Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, 
Man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have for now, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking these words to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the king of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So here's the thing. We start off, he says he's in mourning, and he's been in mourning for how long? Three weeks. Why is he in mourning? We don't know. He doesn't say. But apparently he under, he saw something. He saw something in Scripture, but he didn't have the understanding of it. And so it was, it was bringing mourning to him. It's not about him personally. It's something about his people. Something about the children of Israel. Something about where they were going. And he didn't quite understand what this was. And so he's in mourning. And he apparently, at the beginning of this time... Ask God for an answer. Whatever it was, he, he phrased it to God. He doesn't put the question in there. Maybe about the vision, a vision that he had before. Whatever it was, he is seeing something. And in the beginning of that seeing something, he asked God. And God immediately dispatches an answer, which is hindered by the prince of Persia. Now, how many have ever heard teaching that there's uh, the devil has a hierarchy and you know, there's princes of uh, this area and, and sp- spirits and the Word of God does talk about that and show, give validity to that. If you are the enemy, why is it that only the prince of Persia is involved in this fight? In fact, if we went to the end of this chapter, or went further on in this, we would find out that Gabriel says, I'm going to go back. Michael joined me. He, he took up the fight for a while. I'm going to go back. I'm about to be joined by the Prince of Greece. Why didn't the Prince of Greece get involved in the beginning? Why is only the Prince of Persia involved? I'm not going to give you the answers to those questions. But there are answers to them. You can go and press them to God. So don't just take something on the surface. Why is it there's only two princes that are mentioned in this? The Prince of Persia and then the Prince of Greece. Why didn't the Prince of Greece get involved right off the bat? And why is he getting involved now? After it's already been delivered. All right. You can ask those questions. You can press in the God and get the answers too. Glory to God. But that's not in our, that's not in our purpose here today. But it's, it's in there nonetheless. He said, I have come. Let's, do we read off all that? But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of their chief priests, princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, he says here in verse, let's read on down to verse 14. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. And of all the visions that Daniel received, this is probably the greatest one he he uh, received and it's the one that had the most impact on him physically this was a great vision I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers for many days yet to come but he says to him here I have come because of your words 
I have come because of your words. Notice, he did not come because of God's desire to enlighten him. He did not come because God desired for men to know this plan. He sent Gabriel because of the words that he said in prayer to God, asking for whatever his question was. That came, we can kind of guess what the question was as you look at the answer that it, that comes. But we're not told specifically all that was in that. But it's because of his words that something came. So I want you to look at this now. God has an answer for what's going to happen to Israel, doesn't he? God knows this answer. He knows what's going to happen with Israel. He has not shared it with men. He has not passed this on to anyone. Not a single time. But now he's going to. Why? Real clear. The angel says, because I have been sent because of your words. So what you, what you can look at here is there is something in the will of God. And somebody got the tools to draw that out. I have come because of your words. There are many things that we are lacking that we are lacking not because God is lacking in them but no one has drawn them out. Isn't it amazing how many people before Daniel never drew out what came in this vision? God had it and he sent the angel Gabriel down to to help them out with this. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people. Now three times, we, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, three times we have read that the angel was sent to give him skill to understand, to make him understand, to cause him to understand. All these things are done. Three times, Daniel is receiving revelation. Three times, the angel Gabriel is sent, and just the ones we've looked at, the angel Gabriel is sent to cause him, to give him, to make him, to get understanding on the inside of Daniel. Three times that happens. So I put in your outline this. Revelation was brought to Daniel by an angel. Because that's how it was, right? Revelation was brought. Understanding was brought to Daniel by an angel. Now, how is it revelation delivered to us? When was the last time that an angel showed up and gave you understanding? doesn't happen in the New Testament, does it? We don't have angels showing up teaching. In fact, Paul even talks about it. He says that the angels desire to look into this stuff that's going on in the church age. Angels aren't teaching. Angels taught during the Jewish age, but not during the church age. They weren't, they weren't teaching. But angels were here, here then. So if an angel was bringing an answer to Daniel, how is the... How is the answers coming to us? The Holy Spirit revealing to our spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals things to our spirit. And we get it through revelation. Paul talked about revelation. Peter talked about revelation. There's revelation. It comes in your spirit. Jesus talked to his disciples. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father in heaven... 
Revelation. So revelation comes to your spirit. All right. Remember our question we said at the beginning? Can the enemy hinder revelation from coming to you? That's a real simple answer. No. He cannot hinder revelation from coming to you. In the Old Testament, he could because he could engage the angel who's delivering the message in battle. But in the New Testament, angels aren't delivering the message. How's it come to you? God's Spirit, who's on the inside of you, speaking to your spirit, you draw it out. There is no, there's nothing in between. There is nothing that stops you from getting revelation from God except you not drawing it out. It's not like what it was with Daniel. But you see, how many, time, how many times have you thought, well, as Daniel didn't, had a hindrance, I bet there's a hindrance for keeping me from understanding that. That's not true. That's not true. We don't see anything in the New Testament of that happening, do we? We don't see any angelic battles that hinder revelation from coming. I'm not saying that they don't still do battle. I'm not trying to tell you that the Prince of Persia is not engaging Brother Michael <laughs> or anything. It, it may very well still continue to have battles with uh, heavenly beings. But they're not delivering revelation anymore, so it's not hindering that. So what about healing? Can the enemy hinder you from being healed? Now, see, the reason we bring this up is if I, if I believe that the enemy can hinder my healing and my healing hasn't come, then my thought is, well, I know God is willing. I know I am willing. Therefore, it must be hindered by Satan. And so then we go out and we start taking authority over Satan. Start, Satan, I take authority. Take, get your hand off my healing. I release that healing right now in the name of Jesus. Now, think about this. When did Jesus ever pray that in the Gospels for anyone he prayed over? When did Peter? When did Paul? When did John? When did James? Anybody else? Did anyone ever do that? No. So let's look at how healing comes. How does healing come? Jesus, first off, had one group of people and he said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. That's just one person he did that with. How many people did Jesus say to him, your faith has made you whole? If it's your faith, can the enemy hinder your faith? He wants you to believe he can. But if you've got faith to believe God for something, what can stand in your way? That's one way we receive healing is through our faith. Our faith in believing. What's another way that you receive healing? Through the power of God. That um, sometimes the, the power of God would come upon. It would leave Jesus' body and come over into someone else. And healing would, would occur. In fact, the Word of God even talked about it. Healing power would come from Jesus. Healing power would come from Peter. From Paul. Things, healing power would come. So it's either by healing power or it's by faith. Through the name of Jesus Christ. Well, if it's by healing power, there was always a point of contact. Either laying on of hands, 
somehow there was a contact there or the contact was done by an act of faith. If you contact the power of God, you contact it. In other words, you touch the power of God. Can the enemy hinder that power from coming into your body? No. He can't do it There's because no, there's no barrier there. All he can do is get you to not obey what God said to do or get your faith off in a different direction. Case in point would be Peter. Peter's walking on the water. How did Peter walk on the water? You either say by faith or by the power of God. Don't matter which way it was. One of those two ways was involved. It is the power of God going on or his faith going on. And all Peter had to do was say, say for me to come. Jesus said, come. He jumps out of the boat walking on the water. What caused, what caused Peter to go under? Got his eyes on something else. You see, as long as he's walking in faith, the enemy can't stop him from doing what he's doing. But if he can get his eyes distracted onto something else, then he can go. Don't you be thinking that the enemy has all this power. God is far, far more powerful than anything the devil has. He's far more powerful. And we're not looking at, well, the battle is close, but God has the edge. We're not looking at a close battle, folks. This is, this is not close at all. This is, a, I, don't know, I don't know about you, <clears throat> I saw this uh, little clip and I was going around somewhere doing something and it said, uh, Joel Embiid. How many people know who Joel Embiid is? How many people do not know who Joel Embiid is? Oh my. You're missing a treat. Center for the Philadelphia 76ers. Stands seven foot two. I forget what he weighs, but it is substantial. And the guy moves like a guard. He has that kind of, like a much smaller man. We'll put it to you that way. The guy can move. He can shoot three-point shots. He can dunk the ball. He can, I mean, he is phenomenal. He's fun to watch. He just has a ball out there on the court. I love just to watch him on the court. He's interacting with the crowd. He is having fun. Don't matter if he's on an enemy court or a home court. He is having fun. He's just a, he's a, from your hometown too, or home, I don't know, hometown, but home, home country. Only basketball player from there. Oh, but he is, he is a joy to watch. I just love watching him. Well, they had this little, little clip on there that some hot shot on the playground was taunting Joel Embiid. Taunting him. Like, Come on, you can't dunk on me. Come on, come on. I don't know what, what he's saying. He's taunting him somehow. And so Joel Embiid, he comes up there on just a playground thing. He's dribbling the ball. He's going through the leg, doing all this sort of stuff. And he just goes up and he just dunks on that boy. <laughs> Not even a competition. That's kind of like God and the devil. You know, the devil's out there taunting and doing all sorts of stuff. And God just got the basketball and says, <laughs> there's nothing the devil could do. There's nothing the devil can do. There's a whole lot of bigger men who can't stop him either. But God is far better, far bigger. Don't let the enemy think that he has any power to delay anything God has to send you. Because he doesn't use angels to deliver messages anymore. Because now, because of the work of Jesus Christ, down on the inside of you, he can put his spirit since his spirit is now down on the inside of you, his spirit who knows the mind of God, 
who knows all the things, all the plans, all the purposes of God, is down on the inside of you. All that has to happen is that you need to draw out of that well and get it. But you see, just because it's down on the inside of you doesn't mean you got it. Just because Jesus is by the well doesn't mean He can get the water. He needs something to go down into the well to get it. The woman even said, how are you going to get water? The well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. You've got no tools. So, we need to know what it is that i got to do. Now, here's the thing, folks. I can't speak to mysteries to get revelation. I may like to. How many of you would like to just say, well, I just speak to that. I have understanding on that matter. You cannot speak to mysteries to get revelation. There's no example for that in the Word of God. Somebody got excited one day, started teaching it. Probably other people started teaching it. I speak to that area. I receive revelation. No, you don't. No, you don't. You get revelation from God the same way everybody else got revelation from God. And you got to do the things that involved to get it. I must do what is needed to draw it out. Not speak to it. What if Jesus went out to the well and the woman said, you don't have anything to draw with. And Jesus goes out to the well and says, water, come forth. Uh-uh. Not it. All right, here we go. This is not on your outline. You're going to have to... to uh, Pull this in, and you know, I tell you, not always are we aware of this, but folks, we have uh, we have prayer teams that go on during during the worship service, and I appreciate the folks that go back there. You know, Miss Gladys is back there, Miss Sharon is back there, Mister uh, Victor is back there every now and then, and uh, when he's not out here <laughs> in the in the front, and they're they're praying for the service, they're praying for the worship service, they're praying for the ministry time, they're praying for things, and I'll tell you what, we just receive things, uh, and we just appreciate their their prayer time. So while we're sitting here in worship time, I actually wrote this down in my outline. It's not in yours at all, but a change since, um, since then. Just an easier way to, to understand it. That first off, uh, if you want to get, if you want to get the revelation, folks, you got to pay the price, basically. You got to pay the price. It's not just going to come to you. You got to pay the price. And so I did this little acronym here with PAID. P-A-I-D. Just write those letters down somewhere on your outline. P-A-I-D. P-A-I-D. First off is the premise the premise for which you come to God, to draw out from God, the premise for which you come must be the premise of faith. That first off, I can understand what is written in here. God does want to talk with me. God does want me to understand the premise I must come to God with is one of faith. Daniel, when he came to God, came with the premise of faith. God, you desire to speak to us. You desire for us to know what's going on. You love the people of Israel. And you have good plans for them. Father God, I'm asking what those plans are. First thing is the premise. We have to come to God in faith. Second one is the attitude. In the, in the Word of God, the Scriptures we read, we saw that when, when Daniel came before God, that one of the things it said about him was that he humbled himself. He humbled himself. The attitude with which you come to God has got to be one of humility and not one of pride. Now you can understand this yourself. When people have approached you and they are proud, does it not hinder you from sharing some things? You're held up. If it hinders you, what do you think it does for God? And the Word of God does tell us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
If I come to God and I'm humble, I'm not telling God how it is. I'm waiting for God to tell me how it is. Well, God, that can't be true. Because I thought this... That's a, that's, a, that's a proud person. Do not take what you think, what you believe about God as being superior to what God is telling you. Listen to God. Speak to Him. Have you ever tried to impart some wisdom to someone? You know something. You've been through something. You know something. And you begin to try and talk to Him. and says, look, I wouldn't do it that way. I'm not doing it that way. Or they come out with some kind of harsh response. What does that do to you on the inside? You shut down, don't you? Well, okay then. Not gonna, I'm not gonna share anymore. Folks, sometimes we come across with other people with an attitude that's not humble. And if we're gonna come before God, we have an attitude that's humble. Father God, I am here to listen. I am here for you to tell me. Enlighten me. Open up my eyes. I know that what I understand right now, I am, I have partial understanding. I only have some understanding. Open up my eyes. Help me to see. And he, he will do it. One of the things that said about Daniel was that he was humble. He humbled himself before the Lord. Attitude is important. Here's the eye. Make sure I can read my own writing on there. See, I wrote this down while we're sitting here in worship. Inquire. Inquire. Ask. God, ask God good questions. Remember, uh, what was it, a year or two ago we did a series on questions? How we can get better questions to God? What makes up a good question? What makes up a bad question? Ask good questions of God. Don't ask questions based on doubt and unbelief. Ask questions based on faith. Make educated questions. Learn from what you have seen in the Word of God and ask questions based on that. Inquire of God. How are you going to make good inquiry? First off, do what Daniel did. Study the Word. Keep going. Through. I've already read this. That's all right. Study it again. If you're reading through in our chapter a day, we've started over in the New Testament again. Some people may say, well, I already read it through last year. I've read it through the last two years. I've read it through the last two, three years. I'm going to go do something else. Keep on reading it. Keep on going through. It, it's never over. I can't tell you how many times I've read cover to cover the whole Bible, let alone the New Testament even more. And you know what I'm doing? I'm right there with you. I'm reading a chapter every day. Make sure that we... I want to keep going over it again. I want to stay with it. Keep keep studying. Keep seeking. Keep going after God. God, I need... I, I want the understanding on this. I see that there's something here. I just don't know what it is. Oh, give me the understanding. Inquire. Keep seeking after the Lord on these things. For understanding. Here's the last one. P-A-I-D. Here's the D. Diligence. Keep at it. In this last vision, we saw that Daniel had asked God before he asked God. He gets an answer right away. But here, the answer didn't come right away. It delayed. And it delayed. He kept at it. He didn't, he didn't give up. He stayed in there. Three weeks pressing in on the same answer. All the time before he asked a question, before the day's out. Angels showing up, answering his question. Not this time. He just kept pressing in. Stayed diligent with it. Don't give up. Keep going after it. Keep having the right attitude. That attitude, folks, is huge. Because when you have someone who has an attitude that is humble, you want to pour everything into them that you can. When you've got someone who is harsh, who is proud, it shuts you down. Okay? Hey, I don't need to say, to say anything. I don't need to share stuff. If you know it all, then go for it. 
and just, just kind of walk away. God does the same thing. He'll do the same thing. You don't have to, you don't have to know everything. Get that attitude right. Go after him with the right premise, the premise of faith and belief in his word, that his word is right. Have the right attitude. Be humble. Inquire. Ask God. Seek after him. Study his word. Look for questions to ask. And stay diligent. Stay diligent with it. Don't let up. Stay with it. Father God, I thank you that I have this answer. I thank you. We're pressing in on this. Glory be to God for that. Would y'all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father God, we thank you that on the inside of us, the Spirit of God has been placed. On the inside of us is a well of living water. On the inside of us is something to be drawn on. But we've got to come to the well. We've got to draw it out. The enemy cannot hinder us from receiving what is in the well. It's in us. It's already here. We've got to draw it out. Just as the woman at the well had to draw out the water. Just as Jesus needed the water to be drawn out. That well of water on the inside of us is there to be drawn on. A wrong attitude. Attitude of pride. Attitude that we're better than the people around us. An attitude that is just harmful, hurtful. This will hinder us from receiving from God. Let us take Daniel's example and be humble. Come after you with faith. Believing. Make inquiry. Ask our questions based on the Word of God. Based on our study. And stay with it. Be diligent. And Father, I thank you that we will continue to grow in Revelation. We will continue to be pulling more things out of the well of living water that's on the inside of us. That everything that we have need of is in that well. We don't lack for a single thing. All we need to do is draw it out. I give you the praise and the glory for it. And thank you for it. Glory be to God. How many of you this week spent that time, 15 minutes a day, praying in the Holy Spirit? Made sure. We could have done more. At least 15 minutes a day praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep that up. Don't quit it. This week, go out. Monday, 15 minutes. You may go carry on and keep on going. I just feel like keep going. That's fine. But at least 15 minutes a day. Stir up what is on the inside of you. Stir it up. You're going to draw it out. What you need is already there. We're learning from the Word of God how to pull it out. God's given us understanding on it. Glory to God. So keep going on with that. Keep doing that. Praise God. I see a praise report. I only see the the one. If anybody else has one, get over to our ushers. They'll, They'll bring it up here. Mandy says, Lamar and I celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary this weekend. It was a nice getaway and, and an, an awesome... Uh, so I, I just bring these things out. I ought to just do it every time I think, no, I can, 
Handwriting is neat enough. There it is right there. See that? It was a nice getaway, and my awesome in-laws watched the kids for us. <laughs> yeah, I knew they were pretty awesome myself, too. Yeah. They're, they're all right. Praise God. All right, this Wednesday night, we're going to be back over in the, in the series of Hebrews. We're going to be taking that on. So while uh, you can tune in on Facebook or come on out here. And if you don't get to come on out, make sure you thank some of the people that do come on out. Because if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have a Wednesday night service. We need to, need to thank them for that. Wednesday night, that's going to be going on. On Sunday, we'll be picking this up again some more. Looking into some more things with this particular topic. And then after church, next Sunday, we have our covered dish dinner. So when you come on out, bring a main, bring a main dish, side dish, you know, all the different things you can bring. Just bring enough food for your family and maybe a little extra if you can. We always go over next door and get some pizzas to fill in some things too for some people who forgot and weren't able to, to bring something along. And, but we'll sure want you to stay. We got some things to go over in the, with the, you folks here at the church afterwards. And we look to wrap things up by about 2.15. So this is the last, uh, last covered dish until after the summer. Because in the summertime we had the picnic at our house. And so we'll be, be doing those, those things. But that will be going on in, in here. So let's all stand up one more time. As you go on out, stir up what's on the inside of you. Make sure you're doing the things to draw off that anointing, that well, that unction that's on the inside of you. You got so much on the inside of you that God has already put there. Go after it. Don't ever take it for granted. But if we don't draw off of it, it doesn't benefit us. Have a blessed week. Bless some folks that are around you as well. And we will see some of you here on Wednesday.